The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Setting the Record Straight where various Christian Reconstructionist pastors seek to understand and dissect the issues that are plaguing the church today from the pulpit to the pew. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to begin reading at verse 24. We'll read through the end of the chapter. Please hear the words of God. This is Jesus speaking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and burst against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded upon the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house. And it fell, and great was its fall. The result that when Jesus had finished these words, the result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. I know y'all have just been waiting to hear what you're supposed to think about the coronavirus. Waiting for me to come out with it. And I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but I am going to suggest to you a source of information that you need to have in your mind. As you're consuming all these other things. Let me suggest to you another source of information. You have all got to come out with your own uh, way of thinking about these things. You got to decide who you're going to believe and all that stuff in order to decide how you're going to act. But um, if I had to state a fear or something that I, that I don't like to see, it's that I don't like to see Christians making judgments for anything based on the very same standard of, as those who have no hope in God, who have no desire to do what God says. And here's what occurs to me. I don't mean this as an insult. I speak it to myself first. It is easy 
It is easy to live in a house that's founded on sand as long as the weather is nice. Right? You can live in a house made of sand as long as the weather is nice. But those raindrops start to fall. The ground begins to tremble. The wind begins to blow. And at some point, you're going to be challenged to have to answer the question, what exactly is my foundation? Jesus said the only rock you could build on was his word. And the thing that, that I am anxious about, the thing that I would like to see fixed, is I see my brothers and sisters in Christ who are surrounded and they're confronted with terrifying news and they're confronted with bad bad omens and all of these things and almost immediately the reaction seems to be somebody come and save us we've got to rely on this source of information no not that one we have to rely on this one here hey look you can find sources of information and you can find experts to support any coronavirus theory you want to support. Right? I've got friends who are level-headed people who are convinced that the whole coronavirus thing is a hoax. <laughs> right? I've got friends who are level-headed friends I think are intelligent people who are convinced coronavirus is all about 5G towers spreading, uh, spreading radiation. On the other hand, I have level-headed friends that I love, and I think they're intelligent people who believe this is a plague of biblical proportions, and whatever we have to do to fight this, uh, the, the disease is always worse than the cure, and let's do whatever it takes, even if it means reducing all of our neighbors to subsistence-level poverty. That's a small price to pay for fighting this demonic thing that has come upon us. And every one of them are claiming experts. And they've got their experts. You see them on Facebook. They're, they've got their medical scientists. They've all, got equal, they've all got equal standing. They've all got equal intelligence and education and experience. And they, they quote their numbers. And they've got their charts and their maps and their videos of hospitals. And it's all over. You can support whatever you want to think. And so my issue is then... Christian people, why are you now depending on sources to tell you the truth which have demonstrated their untruthfulness and their ignorance for the past three decades at least? I'm suddenly supposed to trust the same organization that told me that Saddam Hussein had truckloads of, of uh, mass destruction weapons? I'm supposed to trust them? I'm supposed to trust the same government that shot prisoners full of syphilis just to track the progress of the disease? That's the government that I'm supposed to trust? I'm supposed to trust the government that sprayed portions of neighborhoods in Kansas with radioactivity just to see what it would do? I'm supposed to trust the government in the in the same one that came up with Project MK Ultra, where they secretly and without people's note, without people's uh, consent, they dosed them with LSD just to see what would happen, resulting in at least one death that they'll admit to. Listen, this government is not your mama. 
it's not your daddy. It doesn't care about you. It cares about your vote. It cares about your money. It cares about your well wishes. But it does not care about you. And its job is not to protect you. Every one of those politicians in Washington, their job, if they're really being honest with you, their job is to get reelected and to continue to get more money and more power. Christian people, if you're getting your information, if you're, if you're changing your lifestyle, if you're upsetting your whole world based on what you're told by a media that has demonstrated its willingness to lie, even in the midst of this coronavirus, you saw CBS admit, yeah, we posted false video just to try to stir things up a little bit. Who are you going to believe? I'm telling you, I'm not smart enough to tell you who to believe with all these voices I'm smart enough, though, to tell you, you got to make sure you're founded on the right rock. You got to make sure you're founded on the rock. Everything else is shifting sand. Do you believe that or do you not? Because the truth of the matter is, if the storm comes and if we become so convinced that our house is not on the right foundation, why were you claiming that foundation when the weather was nice? If as soon as the storm comes, you start casting about for anybody, somebody, come and rescue us. Let me tell you, maybe you were never founded on the rock to begin with. Maybe God is being gracious to you in this moment. To say to you, I am still your foundation. Trust, trust in God is still worthy. God's word is still worth whatever you invest in it, trust-wise. Oh, but then you hear, then you hear that same government, the one that I just told you about, you hear that same government telling you, oh, but Christians, Leviticus says you got to love your neighbor as yourself so you can't meet at church. Right, you've heard that? I have a friend who said, we should have known the fix was in as soon as the baby killers started quoting Leviticus to us. Are we supposed to love our neighbors? Yes, absolutely. And I'm telling you now, if you believe you have symptoms of some kind of coronavirus, love for your neighbor would demand that you stay home and get better. But there's no place in the Bible that says that love for your neighbor must make you responsible to keep every possible danger away from them. Because that's what's being demanded. Yes, the Bible does talk about quarantine. And yes, there, there are separations for physical reasons and stuff like that. But the Bible never talks about quarantining healthy people. It doesn't make any sense from what I've seen. <clears throat> Again, I'm, I found a source that said maybe we're actually delaying stuff by isolating healthy people. Have you read that? I don't know. Is it right? I don't know. But I know this is right. What I want to show you, if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter 21... Exodus chapter 21. 
Exodus 21, starting in verse 28, what we have are the laws concerning a goring ox. A goring ox. And you can be skimming these. We won't take the time to read them now, but let me tell you, uh, it's possible. Oxen are big. Anybody ever seen a real ox? They're big, giant things. What are they, 2,000 pounds maybe? Is that too much? 1,500? 2,000? Big old horns. Anytime an ox wants to, he can knock down your house. <laughs> right? Big old dangerous animals. Thankfully, God made them mostly docile. But it says here, you're given instructions. What if an ox gores a man and kills him? Well, the rule is, if there was no indication that this particular ox had an aggressive nature, then the owner of the ox is not held guilty. Right? But if that, if that ox has a reputation for being a little bit cantankerous and pushing at you with his horns and stuff like that, now it becomes the owner's uh, duty, his legal responsibility to keep the ox tied up or keep it separated. If he's been warned, oh, this is a bad ox. This is an aggressive animal you got here. If he's been warned and he fails to keep him and that ox goes out and does kill somebody, now the guy who owns the ox is held accountable. It's negligent homicide. He's put to death for that. Those are pretty uh, far apart solutions. On the one hand, no guilt at all. On the other hand, death penalty. And what's the difference? Evidence. Right? Now, here's what I want to point out. Oxen were always dangerous. If they got it in their head that they wanted to kill you, you're dead. Especially back in these days. And what's the law say? Here are the rules for how you deal with having an ox. It doesn't make oxen illegal. I don't know if you understood what I'm telling you there. The oxen is always dangerous. There's always a chance it could reach out and kill somebody. And the oxen is allowed. You can have an ox. Even though at any moment he might reach out and kill your neighbor. You can still have an ox. Later on, there's a rule in chapter 22 about fire. If a fire breaks out and burns stuff down, the one who started the fire needs to make restitution. Pay for whatever was damaged. That just makes sense, right? Well, if fire is so dangerous, it can destroy people and property. We know it can. Let's just outlaw fire. And we don't do it, right? The law of God, listen, the law of God gives nobody, not an individual, not a government, not a priesthood, not a nation. The law gives nobody the, either the responsibility or the right to make rules that will keep us safe from every possible thing that might go wrong. You know why? Because only God knows all that stuff. And as soon as you tell the government, yeah, you can make these laws protecting people, that's a blank check. Now the government can write whatever law it wants to. That's called positive law. Right? <laughs> By the way, the instance of positive law that used to be really popular was Let's get rid of guns because school shootings. So let's eliminate guns. 
Well, kind of funny, now that all the schools are shut down, there's no school shootings. <laughs> Maybe we're thinking about being positive about the wrong thing. That's just, that's supposed to be funny. I believe in having schools that are publicly available for everybody. I just don't think they should be social, socialistically funded. Okay, but that's my point. As soon as you give the government the right to outlaw whatever it thinks might be dangerous, now it's got a blank check. And as a friend of mine pointed out on Facebook the other day to great controversy from Christians, once you allow that, that's half a step away from punishing people who haven't committed a crime yet. It is. And so when the government or your Christian friend who is terrified about coronavirus comes to you and tells you you have to love your neighbor, and that means even though there's no indication that you're sick, you have to stay away. What is that? That's an instance of positive law. And it's also an instance of people taking it upon themselves, either the government or your friend. It's not up to me as a pastor. It's not up to you as Christian people. It's not up to a government. Not up to any of us to define what law, what love is. I almost said law. That's not <laughs> ours either. That belongs to God too. In fact, uh, providentially, I'm going to just tell you they're tied together. That's why the slip of the tongue there. I don't get to tell you what the law is. I just tell you what it says. I don't get to make it up. Nobody's supposed to make it up. But listen, it's the same with love. It's not up to me to tell you what it means for you to love. Oh, well, because we all know. No, <laughs> look at our world. People need to be instructed in what love is. That's why Jesus had to come, right? People need to be instructed. In Romans 13, right after it gets done telling Christians that they need to be in submission to godly government, right after it does that, Romans 13 then says, Oh, no one anything except love. And then it goes through a litany of the commandments of God. Whatever the law says, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. And whatever else the law says, it's all about teaching us how to love. The church has gotten this wrong for a long time. The church has set love and law like this, like they're a couple of angry oxen beating each other in the head. But that's not it. Well, you just need to, you just need to live like Jesus and then you'll be loving. Jesus kept the law at every single point where you and I have broken it. So, hey, be my guest. Live like Jesus. You know what, if you got 18 kids, split them into two teams of nine, and you gave them bats and balls and mitts and bases, and you told them just go out and play fair, but these kids have never seen baseball, what are you going to get? Playing fair means obeying the rules of the game, right? And a lot of Christian pastors and a lot of Christian pulpits will tell their people, just love your neighbor, but they leave it up to them to decide what the rules of that game look like. And God has not done that. If you are breaking the law of God toward your neighbor, you are definitely not loving your neighbor. Even if your heart is filled with all sorts of warm fuzzies toward him. 
I love my neighbor. I just need to borrow his ladder without him knowing about it. No, you can't be that way. You know, we could take this forever because honestly, if it means if I am supposed to so care about my neighbor that I won't uh, be around them for the chance that I have some kind of disease, guess what? That's going to be true even after Corona goes away. Every time you've ever shaken somebody's hand, there was a chance they were passing you some pathogen. Chance you're passing it to them. And these guys in the Bible, they're kissing. They're not handshaking. They'd be kissing. I'm glad I live now and not then. So even after Corona is done, if, you're, if this is your idea that to keep my neighbors safe, I have to not have contact with them, that's not going to change after Corona. Seriously, it's not going to change. We have to obey what the commandments say because that's what it means to love. And there are people who will see this video, I almost guarantee, if the comments haven't already come on, there are people who will see this video and say, y'all aren't loving your neighbors. You're being around each other. You're possibly infecting each other. Well, you commenter, you ain't God. And that's not what my rock tells me to found my life on. That's not the foundation upon which my life is built. God is gracious to us and he gives us opportunities where the weather gets bad and the storm comes and things get tough and tragedy strikes in your life. And he gives us those opportunities because he is good and he's kind and he's patient and he's given us this moment to really think about what's the foundation of my life. Because if this is not a a perfectly fine foundation that will take you through the storm, then go find something else. And when the weather's good, don't be telling me about how your foundation is on a rock. This is either enough. The word of God is either sufficient and enough, or it isn't. And I'm not telling you which one of those to come up with. I believe the Holy Spirit will tell you which one of those to come up with what your answer ought to be at that point. Thank you for listening to Setting the Record Straight. Join us on Facebook at the Reconstructionist Radio Discussion Group. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to listen to all of our podcasts and to download our free audiobooks.